The Civil Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network, which can be found at cement.media. That's cement, C-E-M-E-N-T dot media. Welcome to episode number 178 of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. In this episode, which is the seventh episode in our Civil Engineering Entrepreneurs series, I will be talking with Bonnie Moss, professional engineer and president at MB Co. Engineering LLC, about the importance of being proactive in growing a civil engineering firm as opposed to always being reactive. I'm super excited for another episode in this Civil Engineering Entrepreneur Series. This series really is focused on helping civil engineering firm owners grow their companies or maybe even future civil engineering firm owners think about how they're going to grow their business. And I think that this episode with Bonnie is a special one because Bonnie is very focused around how to be more proactive in your approach to growing a business where we live in a world of reactivity. Everyone wants to respond and react instantaneously. And that's not always helpful, especially if you're a leader in a civil engineering firm. One of the things that we dive into a little bit in this episode is processes, core processes and procedures, and making sure that you have clear guidelines in your company to ensure that you can be more proactive and scale a company. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano. I am also a licensed professional engineer who practiced as a civil engineer, and I now focus on helping engineers become better managers and leaders. Now, before we get started with the interview with Bonnie, this is a free show and our sponsors do help us keep it free. So we ask that you please support them. Now I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode and this series, Big Time. Big Time is the industry leading PSA software providing time tracking, billing and project management for engineering firms with the goal of getting your business back to business. You can learn more about Big Time's PSA solution at bigtime.net. Big Time would also like to provide this tip to listeners around core processes. Core processes are essential to keeping your business moving. Steady cash flow starts with having a set review and approval process for timesheets and invoices. Make this process standardized using a PSA software that allows you to select the appropriate person to review and make revisions in one place. Now it's time to dive into our Civil Engineering Conversation of the Week with Bonnie Moss. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now I'm excited to welcome our guest for today's episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast. Bonnie Moss is the president at MB Co. Engineering in the great state of Texas. And I'm actually welcoming her back to the podcast because she's been on before. Bonnie, welcome. Thank you, Anthony, very much for having me on again. We're having you back because we're doing this series, of course, on civil engineering entrepreneurs, talking to civil engineers that have started companies and have grown companies. So to that end, maybe we could start there and you could tell us a little bit about MBCO, you know, how it came about and just where you're at now in terms of size of the company. So MBCO started, I guess, six and a half years now. And we started just, you know, after a couple of us had 20 to 25 years uh, experience in the industry working for other companies or government agencies in every different kind of capacity imaginable. At some point, we just got to the point where we're like, you know what, let's give this a try on our own. Other people are doing it. 
let's see if we can. If we can't, then maybe we'll just go back to work for somebody else. In this case, you know, a lot of times ignorance is bliss. It turned out well, and here we are, like I said, six and a half years later, and we are up to about 30 people, and it's been amazing growth. We do engineering, but half of our business line is also surveying, so we have that component as well. And a lot of the work that we do is 75% government agency and 25% private companies, private development, private utility companies and whatnot. Our specialty is traffic, transportation, utilities, water line design, all things traffic. That's awesome. Congratulations. I mean, 30 people, that's a lot to manage, a lot to handle, and sounds like it's going well, which is great. I had experience myself as a surveyor. That's how I started my career with a company that did surveying as well as civil engineering. And I know that that could be a huge benefit in terms of growing a company since you know that surveying can really gives you another service, obviously, to get out there, but also it can get you in on kind of the ground floor of a lot of these civil projects and kind of gives you an edge over some of those companies maybe that don't survey and, and won't be able to get involved until a little bit later. And I would imagine also it's going to be really helpful if you sub for larger companies. Is that right? Oh, that's correct. You mentioned that there's a lot of opportunity that we probably didn't have before. We started surveying kind of, we had a survey come on board and, and we really didn't fully expect it to grow the way it did. I think the first year our revenues for surveying was about 15% and now it's grown to approximately 50%. It is amazing. It's great because it, it provides a good back and forth with the engineering services because a lot of times they're very tied together surveying leads to that and or engineering could lead to surveying and as built and, and during construction and things of that nature. So that's excellent. So tell me a little bit about yourself now. You had experience working for a public agency, is that right? I did. Now how has that helped you? I could see that being a good route to take in that you've got experience on the public side of things. You understand how that works, how they're looking at consulting firms and consulting projects and working with consultants. And now not only are you working in a consulting firm, I mean, we've talked to a lot of people that have done that, but you actually started the firm. So talk about how that experience has kind of helped you in being able to grow MBCO. Well, being on the, you know, in the shoes of somebody on the other side, especially with um, when we submit proposals or RFQs, you know, I've been on the receiving side of having to review those proposals and know that I don't want to read a dissertation on proposals. So it's kind of helped us in this fact that we know what the reader is looking for, being very clear, concise, and to the point in our RFQs. So in that sense, it's been wonderful. Being on the other side also understands their yearly forecasts when they're coming out with budgets and the CIP, things like that, and how they budget. Also making sure that we work really hard to make them, the client, the city, text up, whomever, look very good. Because I know when I was in that seat, the consultants that made us look good were, it was just great, fantastic. So that's, those are the kind of things that helped us out. Let's talk a little bit about people. You're at about 30 people and, you know, just talking with a lot of civil owners through doing the podcast interviews. I know that when you start to get to that range of people in terms of developing your people, thinking about technical training, thinking about management training, it becomes something you really got to start to focus on because there's a lot you have to cover up more people now. It's not just like when you're starting, when you got a handful of people, they can get some training. So talk about that process. How does that work there? Is there someone like kind of responsible for kind of looking at some of the training needs or development of people? How does that work as you grow? So that's changed dramatically with us. You have to when you grow. We were a company that was young, small, and very reactionary. And we realized that you couldn't retain folks if you're going to be reactionary. 
people were going to leave and you didn't pay attention to things early on. We got aggressive in trying to be, we're not perfect yet, but we're you know, being proactive in the things that we do. And one of the steps was to put somebody in charge at MBCO who is in charge of culture and people. That enabled the rest of the owners to kind of take that load weight off of our shoulders. But we work with that person quite closely on what they're doing for the employees. And so when we hire on, we kind of talk about expectations as far as what they want for themselves, their goals. And we write all those out and we follow up with that person every single quarter. Because what I've seen in the past and working for other companies, and it happens and I understand why it does, is that it's easy to have a review or you hire on, you talk about all these great things, but then you take that paperwork and you file it away and you don't even get to see it or think about it until a year later. And then here comes the next review and then nothing's been done. And then people get not feel appreciated and, and things aren't happening and they're not growing. So, and the company's not growing because of that. So that's kind of step that we're doing is to try to repeat these, have the annual review, but make sure that we meet with everybody, every single person. And this goes from a project manager to all the way out to somebody who just works in the field because everybody has goals. I would hope that everybody who works here does. And so, yeah, we just go through that and we revisit that and we talk about their shortcomings and what can we do to help you and vice versa. So. I'm thinking about the infamous annual performance review that a lot of companies do. Like you said, you do it, you fill out the paperwork because the manager has to fill out the paperwork. They do it, you know, usually last minute because they're busy with everything else and it gets talked about for a day and then filed away. So it's great to hear that you're trying to do something that you have that, but you're trying to be engaging with it and that you have someone dedicated to culture and people, I think is wonderful because quite frankly, it is the most important thing. I mean, this is an industry, civil engineering, that's very people focused. I mean, projects aren't getting built without people working together and working together in good ways. So it's great to hear that. And I really like what you said about being proactive versus reactive. I think that that is a problem. I think that a lot of people operate in this area as a reactive, someone wants something. So let's think if we want to give it to them as opposed to getting out in front of things and saying, hey, what do you want? What are your goals? How can we help you achieve them? Which is great. I mean, I think that that's a great approach to building a company. And we do that here at EMI is what are your goals? How can we help you achieve them? Because if you're not thinking that way, then it kind of comes off as we're focused on the company's goals, but we're not necessarily thinking about people that are growing the company, you know, what they want. So that's an awesome approach to take. And I'm interested in, you know, seeing, continuing obviously to keep in touch with you and see how that works in terms of growing. Let's talk about the company a little bit more in general, maybe from a financial perspective or just, you know, kind of keep an eye and a pulse on how the company's doing. Are there certain things you do, whether it's taking a look at metrics, having regular meetings with other leaders there where you get together and say, okay, you know, we need more work. We're behind in the, in the pipeline right now. Or what does that process look like at a company your size? I can tell you we're looking at it a lot more closely than we did probably you know, four or five years ago. When you first start, you know, your hair is on fire. You're just trying to generate invoices and, and revenue and all that. But now we are um, trying to be a little bit more, again, proactive and, and looking at things on a regular basis. And some of those things are, of course, gross profit, net revenue, net income. But we've also kind of dialed down into that a little bit more with respect to our overhead costs and specifically percentages with respect to income. Like a GNA, we're looking for a GNA percentage to be 25% or less of total revenue. So that kind of was an aha moment for us. Direct labor, also looking at direct labor with respect to percentage of income, net revenue. That's really important. So 
that's not just that, you know, of course, you mentioned the backlog, the pipeline, all that stuff. So we have a proposal tracker, we have a RFQ tracker. We kind of combine that with our projected revenue and to come up with number of months of backlog that we have and tracking all that. That's really, really important. We never used to do that. We do that quite a bit now. So. Yeah, it's interesting. It's always like as a business grows, you know, there's, you kind of get a little bit, I don't want to say better, but it just requires you to, to keep a closer eye on certain things because there's just more at stake. I mean, there's more people that need to get paid. You know, there's more clients that need to be serviced. There's more projects that need to be run well, which causes you to put some of these processes in place to track some of these items. And, and again, it's great to hear you mention the word proactive. I think all of the companies that I've talked to that have been successful really have that culture of being proactive, being able to monitor things, know when things go wrong, get ahead of things, as opposed to, like you said, everyone's reactive when you start a company because you have to be. You just got to start running, start hustling, start building your business, be reactive to things, take what comes. But then as you settle in and you grow and more revenues coming in, you have more staff, you can take some time and dedicate some people to work on some of these other things, like you mentioned, culture and people tracking items like this. And so that kind of brings me right into the next question I have for you, which is just in general talking about processes, right? Like whether it's quality control, whether it's project management processes, whether it's your proposal tracking, how does that work there? Do you get to a point where, you know, okay, now we're at this point, we really got to track these proposals, have something in place to do that and put together a little bit of a process. Is that something that you and the leadership kind of get together and are kind of monitoring where and when you need to implement processes that can be captured and repeatable? Yeah, most definitely. Again, first four years, totally reactive and just we got tired of that. So all kinds of processes in place, like Callie Bletch, my business partner, she keeps track of all the proposals, cost proposals, and also RFQs that go out. So she has a tracker spreadsheet and she's the keeper of that. So those are those types of processes. As the company grows, different processes need to put in place. Something gets recognized, and then you address it. And like you said, you know, you can be proactive about that. Now that you've got some experience on your hands in terms of building the business, and really it's important. I could speak from my own experience. I mean, I'm just writing an article about this today. A lot of times what we do is we have a task to do and we want to do it. We want to get it done and move on to the next one. But as we grow, we need to track, document these processes So because we have to realize it's not going to be us doing it forever, especially as a company grows quickly. You're going to need to be able to delegate something to someone else. And so capturing those processes, having some standard operating procedures can be critical in any business, not just civil engineering, but of course, in civil engineering as well. And, and again, most successful business owners that I've talked to have really good processes in place that they're able to, that makes it easier for them to delegate and scale the company, which I think is, is really, really important. Absolutely. And I think what's important about that too is, is having those in place. So everything is streamlined. So you, it's just running very smoothly and then also keeping it simple because it's very easy to, when we started these processes, what if we did this? What if we did that? And just got out of hand. So we had to realize that you had to also keep everything very, very simple, very straight, clear, and concise and to the point. When things become too complicated, people tend not to do them. That's just the nature of the beast. I mean, I'm too busy to start going through all these different steps. But if you make it easy for me, especially as an engineer or a technical analytical person, if there's a good process and I can easily follow it, I probably will. You know, that's because I like things to be streamlined and organized. And so that's a great point. And for those of you out there thinking about some of your standards and guidelines, if you can make them user-friendly, simple for your staff to just execute on, I think you'll get much better success in terms of completing. In fact, even an example from our own training programs, 
we always like to have people do like a post-training evaluation, post-training assignment. And once we started emailing those to people before the end of the session, and I could say, go to your inbox right now, you can click on the assignment, take 10 minutes after the course and do the assignment rather than trying to send it to them later on in the day when they've already checked out of that webinar and checked out of that training and they got to get back into it. We saw like a big increase in completion rates on those assignments and those post-course evaluations because we made it easier for people to do. We put it right in front of them. We made it easier. We walked them down that path. So that certainly can apply in, in guidelines and really every aspect of business. I developed a process procedure for writing an RFQ for TechStot and it was two pages very simple, big colors, big bubbles. One, do this. Two, do that. Boom, 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 boom. I mean, it's just very clear and concise and to the point. And like you said, just make it simple. The article that I was writing, I was mentioning the phrase that we like to say a lot, which is, it's just quicker if I do it myself. Sometimes we need to do what you did, which is when you're writing, let's say an RFQ, you have to take the time. It's going to take you an extra hour this time or whatever, but you're doing the process along with it so that the next time it doesn't have to be you or you can let someone else try it and give them some feedback until they get it down. And that's always what we're fighting with when we do that is, you know, it's easier if I just do it or quicker if I just do it, but we have to step back, especially as leaders and organizations and look at the long game and say, I can't be writing RFQs forever. And so if I'm ever going to be able to give it to someone else, I'm going to need to spend maybe double time on the next couple with a long-term payoff. One other item I want to ask you about in terms of building the businesses is meetings. Meetings are a way that you can certainly leverage people's time and make sure that people are taking the right actions on a daily basis, clearly communicate expectations. Talk a little bit about MBCO's philosophy around meetings, how they're utilized, like how often, or you know, whatever info you could share with us around meetings. I guess I'll go big picture and then I'll dial it down a bit. So every quarter, maybe just three times a year, we have a state of the company address and we cover everything with everybody, business development, marketing, company financials, workload, just so that everybody's on the same page. Everybody knows what's going on because, you know, engineering may not know what survey has going on vice versa. On the management side, we have, we follow the engineering EOS system. We use EOS at EMI, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. That's great. We do the level 10 meeting every Thursday. And that level 10 consists of, you know, you're starting off with good news, you segue, company headlines. You have an hour dedicated for the deep, serious issues that you got to work through. And then if you exceed that time, then you're done. And you take those issues and you follow it through for the next week. So basically, in a nutshell, it's a very um, concise way effective way to get everything you need to talk about within each other, the management group, within 90 minutes. It's wonderful. From there, you know, the engineering will have its own hour-long weekly meeting and then civil surveying. Amongst staff, they're very good about having just five-minute huddles every single morning just to make sure, you know, what are you working on? What's your plan for the day? And anything that comes up as far as deadlines or fires we have to put out and whatnot. You're actually the second civil firm owner that mentioned EOS out of the six or seven interviews we've done in the series so far, and we use it here at EMI. And if you're not familiar with EOS, it's you can check out the book Traction, which is the creator of EOS, Gino Wickman, put it into a story of a company that wasn't doing that great, and they implemented EOS, and it really got them organized and streamlined and more working like a machine, so to speak. And I think it works really well for engineering companies because most people in the engineering companies, we like things very organized. We like to see things in order. 
like I said, we're analytical, like I mentioned before. So the staff meetings that Bonnie mentioned, they're called level 10 meetings. There's a specific agenda that you follow. It allows you to stay focused on an agenda. And then if something comes up and tries to derail the meeting, you stick it on an issues list at the bottom of the agenda, and there's time to cover the issues later on in the meeting. It all works out very well. There's also you know, things for tracking finances and other things, the tools that you can use. It's very effective. I highly recommend it. Again, it's a proactive approach, I think, when you use EOS and you're staying on top of things, you're measuring things. And I really like the idea of the state of the company address. I mean, I think as a, someone who talks to a lot of younger engineers earlier on in their careers, having that level of communication from their leadership can be extremely valuable because you know this is your career. You want to know where your company's headed, what the opportunities are with the company that you're in, and being able to hear that and knowing that on a regular basis, you're going to have that level of communication from the company leadership must be great. I'm sure you've gotten some good feedback on those addresses. It's great. You know, people will always ask, well, why do you share the financials of the company with everybody? And I found that we do that because transparency is very important. And with that transparency, people seem to have complete buy-in and everything that they're doing, the big picture of the company and the, the why they come to work every day. And that's really important. So everybody gets charged up and really excited at these meetings. And I think that's important too. When you talk about transparency, I mean, everybody who works at a company, again, it's their livelihood. They're supporting their family. And anytime they can be aware of you know, the financial situation that they're in, the potential growth of the company can only make them feel better about where they're at in their career. And they, you know, they don't want to be in the dark. They want to know that they're working for a good company. They have the ability to keep earning and supporting their family. And by having that level of communication, opening up some of the financials and letting them know what we're looking at here, it just makes people feel more comfortable. And you want people coming to work, feeling comfortable, be able to work and know that they could support their family. And I think it creates a great atmosphere. So it's great to hear that. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to put Bonnie on the civil engineering hot seat, finish up with a couple of last career questions. So we'll be back in just a minute. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, we are back with Bonnie Moss, who's the president at MBCO Engineering. We talked a lot about growing a civil engineering company. MBCO is at around 30 people, and we dived into that. But now we're going to put Bonnie on the civil engineering hot seat and ask her a couple of last questions about her career journey specifically. You ready to go, Bonnie? I am. Let's do it. First question Are there any specific routines that you practice, rituals you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning routine or a lunchtime routine or just something that you do consistently every day that's kind of contributed to your success? I do have a consistent routine and I'm not sure this contributes to my success. I would hope it is. We have a lot of meetings that I go to with respect to business development, meeting with clients and whatnot. And one thing I always do after a meeting is to write a handwritten thank you note. I usually catch up on those first thing when I get into the office every morning. I think it's great to be grateful and thankful to potential clients and existing clients, but also gives me time to kind of reflect on who I met with and just be grateful in general for everything. I love the idea of, for a lot of reasons, one, I think when we live in such a digital virtual world today, it's good to be able to break that you know, wherever we can, take a break from that and connect with people in other ways. Absolutely. I love getting handwritten notes myself from people. And so you know, I don't get them very often. So I like to write them. We kind of go through our days sometimes one meeting after the next. So it's nice to be able to reflect on who we're meeting, what kind of relationships we're building. I mean, I think sometimes like in the world we live in, 
the whole idea of like enjoying your career, enjoying the people you work with and the people you meet can kind of get squeezed out of the equation because we're all trying to do projects and profitability, which is why I always like getting involved in some of the professional associations because it allows you to like build friendships with people in the industry, which is rewarding. And so it sounds like that practice that you go through helps you to think about that and kind of reflect on the people you met, which is awesome. What is one book that you might recommend to an engineer or just in general, one book that you might have found to be helpful in your professional or personal development? Is there any book that stands out for you that you remember that help was very helpful? Yeah, so much has changed. I, you know, if I started my career, there was one book I would have recommended, but now moving forward here, six and a half years at MBCO, I just finished reading a book called The Dichotomy of Leadership. Yeah, Jocko Wilnick. Yeah, I've heard of him. I think he's like a Navy SEAL, right? That's right. Um, it's kind of the second book to the first one, which is called Extreme Ownership. That was great, but this one is even better. It's been very helpful in uh, what it says, the dichotomy of leadership. And I'll give you an example. I mean, we do, to start a company, run it and grow it, you have to um, delegate to elevate, but also you can delegate sometimes too much. And then there's the management by abdication on the flip side. There's the balance right there of your leadership. And so they just talk about their experiences and how it applies to business and, and things like that. So that's been very, very, very helpful. That's just one example. There's, there's plenty of them, but I highly recommend that book. To think about that as a business owner or a leader in general, that balance between what to delegate and what not to delegate, it is important because we need to make sure as leaders that you use your time wisely. And it's important to delegate things that you shouldn't be focusing on, but it's also very important to spend some time thinking about and working on the things that will drive the company forward that can be very impactful. I like to call them like visionary type things, which they, they reference in the EOS model as well, you know, have these visionary thinkers. So that's great. I'm going to check that book out myself. That sounds great. All right. Next one, thinking back on some of the managers that you've had in your career as an engineer, thinking about maybe your favorite manager or managers, what made them your favorite? What were some of the characteristics that some of your favorite managers exhibited that you can share with us here? I have two, but I'll make it quick. The one is um, I went to go work for at an engineering company right after getting laid off. The company I had worked for before didn't really let young engineers interact with clients or do anything. <laughs> and so when I changed companies and went to work for this particular manager, he had a mentality of sink or swim. But if you sank too much, he was going to pull you out at the right moment. He knew that the only way you were going to learn is to go through some painful moments but he was a phenomenal leader, just always jovial. He's just somebody that you just really wanted to do good things for. I learned so much as a person. I learned how to interact with clients, learned how to think my way through situations, and it's great. And the second person worked for the same company, but on a different level, I guess a higher level, is when I really started to do business development. And he just was so inclusive, took me underneath his wing as far as teaching me, taking me to meetings. I didn't know anything about doing business development at all. And so, even though I didn't have much to contribute at the time, I was soaking it in a sponge and he just let me and he just, it was great. It was phenomenal. Those are great. And I really like that idea of, you know, we're going to let you try stuff because that's the only way you're going to learn, but we're not just going to kind of throw you to the wolves. If something happens, if you need our help, we're going to help you. We're going to cover your back, so to speak, but we are going to let you give it a shot. And I think that's great. And I think that, like you said, like that one company you mentioned that you weren't able to do a lot of things on your own. That's a big deal. I mean, I think a young engineer that gets a chance like that, it means a lot to them 
when their company trusts in them and making a client call or going doing a presentation, you know, even if your supervisor is sitting next to you, just the fact that they're allowing you to do that and take that initiative, I think is powerful. And I think that could be long lasting, as you can see, as we talk to Bonnie, that's obviously something that Bonnie remembers about that manager. So that's great. All right, Bonnie, I've got one final question for you here. We call it the civil engineering career elevator advice question. If you were to get into an elevator with a civil engineer and you only had about 30 to 40 seconds with him or her, and you had to give them career advice in that short period of time, what would you tell them? I would tell them to get on the other side of their engineering self, to develop new skills such as business development, learn finance, learn writing, learn communication. And most importantly, I would say, do the things that you make you very uncomfortable because that will make you better. I actually just read a book myself called The Obstacles, The Way by Ryan Holiday. And it's kind of like exactly to what you just said is, you know, whatever's like there, that's like hard, that's like in your way, that's like standing between you and your goal is most likely what you need to go through. So like, if you are really scared of public speaking, like my wife, who's a civil engineer, who's like terrified of public speaking, that means you need to do that. You need to push yourself. You need to take some courses. You need to get out, start small. And that's probably what you need to take your career to that next level or to grow your business to the next level is most likely what's holding you back. So that'd be great advice. I think that'd be a valuable elevator ride for that, for that engineer. All right. So once again, Bonnie Moss, president of MB Co Engineering, thank you so much for taking some time and spending some time with us here on the Civil Engineering Podcast. We really do appreciate it. Thank you very much, Anthony. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Bonnie Moss. I really love hearing about civil engineers who took the career journey, started their own company, and are now growing it and scaling it just like Bonnie is. And I love the philosophy of being more proactive than you are reactive. And I hope that you can utilize that, whether you're an owner or just a working civil engineer, even a design engineer. I think you can be more proactive kind of in any role that you play. One thing that I want to let you know, it's an exciting announcement. We've been running a community called the Civil Engineering Collective at EMI, which is a group of engineering companies that enroll their team members and their employees and their staff into our regular training programs. Well, we've decided that we're going to change the model up at the collective, and instead we're going to be offering complimentary webinar sessions at least quarterly from different organizations, different subject matter experts, all related to civil engineering, and most of them will have PDHs. So we will be posting the schedule at civilengineeringcollective.com. You can go there, you can check out the upcoming webinars, and you will be able to register for those webinars. And we're excited to be able to make this service available to our community as our mailing list and our podcast listenership grows. So again, you can check that out at civilengineeringcollective.com. You can also find the show notes for this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Look for episode number 178. And there you will find a summary of the key points discussed in this episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. The Civil Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network. The opinions on the show are those of the hosts and guests, not their employers. For information on EMI's people and project management skills training programs for civil engineering professionals, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.